Welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Heather. I'm Kelsey. And today's episode is about the highly popular fantasy series, A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass. I'm super excited about this one. You know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, this is, is what my... we've been waiting for. Yeah, this is one of my all-time favorite series. It's a first for you. It sure is. <laughs> um, you're in for a ride. And now you have to read oh, every yeah. single book by her and your life will never be the same. You also have no more time. Anyways. <laughs> so before we get into the book, what are you drinking? I actually have a hot coffee today. I got a little Nespresso concoction. I'm on my last gingerbread pod, mm. which is fitting because it's, well, for us, it's the end of January. And then I have a little vanilla caramel coffee creamer. And lately, I've been putting cinnamon powder mm. in my coffee. And like, I've done this, I just when I go to like Wawa or something, but I've been doing it at home. And I'm like, it elevates a coffee. Like it just gives it, it that little specialty flavor, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree with that. So that's what I've got going on this morning. What are you drinking? I also have a hot coffee made at home. Mm-hmm. I have a hazelnut pod with okay. actually some oat milk creamer that I wanted to try. That's actually really good. But then I found the International Delight cold foam creamer. Oh. So it's basically in like a whipped cream can, and then you just spray it on top of your coffee, and it gives like a cold foam. Sam's Club oh. had it. I was super excited. It's French vanilla. It kind of like okay. tastes weird by itself, but when it's with the coffee, it's a lot better. But it's really actually very good, and I highly recommend that it. That sounds like good. Foam. Because when you go to Dunkin', they spray their cold foam out of like a whipped cream can. Oh, yeah. And so this like is basically, whereas like Starbucks, they put it in like a blender and they do it fancy, but... Yeah, Duncan, it's just coming out of whipped cream container. Yeah. And some of their coffees are not even worth it anymore unless you're throwing some cold foam on top of it. I agree with that. 100%. So cold foam is delicious. All right, I'm going to have to pick that up. Yeah, I got it at Sam's Club. Uh, but I've seen someone had posts about it on the interwebs. And I was like, oh, I have to find that. And then, of course, I forgot about it. And then I saw it and in the uh, Sam's Club flyer. And I was like, oh, I have to go get it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so is it like a jumbo canister because you got it from Sam's Club? Yes, and there's two of them. <laughs> of course. Okay. Well, good thing you like it. <laughs> I know. Exactly. So cheers to hot coffee. Cheers. All right. So Sarah J. Mass is the prolific number one New York Times and internationally best-selling author of Throne of Glass, which was her first fantasy series, which is young adult. Then she did A Court of Thorns and Roses, which is, we were just discussing this prior to recording. It's, it is an adult fantasy series. It's not really labeled as young adult. And then the Crescent City series, which I've only read the first book. I have the second. The third one comes out this, the end, this last week of January, I think, actually. I think it comes out this week. And they're huge. They're the size of Bibles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, but all these series have sold more than 38 million copies in English worldwide, and they're published in 38 languages. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. 
So she's one of the most successful authors of the modern era, generating a far-reaching and ever-growing fan base of readers, as well as a TikTok phenomenon with the hashtag for a Court of Thorns and Roses series having several billion views. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's crazy. Now, how... I know that a Court of Thorns and Roses is definitely her most popular. Mm -hmm. So... The first one, well, it's YA, so it's different. But people, but I'm guessing actually, that one was not as popular. It's becoming more popular now, and it's actually people like it more than Akatar. Oh, because so basically, people discovered this, and then they're like, "Oh, I have to go yes. read her other stuff too." Yes, okay, that basically. makes sense. And that one has seven, eight books. Okay, and again, okay, they progressively get bigger and longer as you go through them. But yeah, that one, people really like Throne of Glass a lot. And then I haven't seen like anything bad about Crescent City, but Crescent City just isn't as quite as big yet. Okay. So, but they basically all take place in the same universe. They're not intertwined at all that I've seen so far. I can't, I can't, don't quote me on that because I've only read Akatar in the first Crescent City, but Mm -hmm. They don't, I don't think that the characters really intertwine as much. There might be a couple of times it might happen, but, but it is like in the same universe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And this series, Akatar, actually got picked up for an on screen adaptation by Hulu. There's been no movement on it with choosing a cast and like producing it, but I was reading that she is currently like working on the script for it. Yeah, I'm like shocked that this isn't already a thing. Mm -hmm. Nervous that it's not a thing because I'm sure we'll get to it. But there's some scenes where I'm like, I don't know how this is going to translate to film or screen. You know, like it might, it could be very cheesy, some of it. Oh, yeah. So, but I'm also glad that they're not rushing into it. I'm glad that they're like kind of taking their time. Yeah. Because it potentially is like the next Game of Thrones. I think that's probably going to be the vibe. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how Hulu does it. I mean, HBO does their series phenomenally. Oh, yeah. If HBO picked this up, it would be real good. Mm -hmm. But Hulu has it. But Hulu's put out a lot of good stuff. They have, but it's definitely hit or miss. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. And when I was looking up the uh, some stuff on the novel, I actually had never known this, but I saw that this little thing that this novel is a retelling of the ballad called Tam Lin, which belonged to a group of songs in the long tradition of Baldry collected from the Anglo-Scottish called the Border Ballads. <laughs> so I gotta, look more in, I gotta look more into that. <laughs> but I, was like, I oh. saw that it was a... Uh... A modern day Beauty and the Beast. Also that. It pulls inspiration from Beauty and the Beast, which was funny because as I was rereading this, I was like, this is Beauty and the Beast. This definitely has like Beauty and the Beast vibes. That's exactly when I read the back of the book. I was like, this is Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. So and then obviously fairy lore is in there as well. But I had no idea that it that there was anything that was like based off of. So no, me to... either. That's interesting. Look into that a little bit. I also uh, didn't know that I know nothing about fairy lore or 
the Fae universe or any of that. It's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot, lot to, to follow. It's a lot. And fantasy novels are flying off the shelves these days. There's mm-hmm. so many fantasy novels coming out. So many that are becoming popular. A lot of them, a lot of the ones with dragons right now are super popular. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot out there. Too yeah. much to read. Too little time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So. As always, I will read my description from Goodreads, because what else would I do? Mm -hmm. When 19-year-old Huntress Feyre kills a wolf in the woods, a terrifying creature arrives to demand retribution. Dragged to a treacherous magical land she knows only about from legends, Feyre discovers that her captor is not truly a beast, but one of the lethal immortal fairies who once ruled her world. At least he's not a beast all the time. As she adapts to her new home, her feelings for the fairy, Tamlin, transform from icy hostility into a fiery passion that burns through every lie she's been told about the beautiful, dangerous world of the Fae. But something is not right in the fairy lands. An ancient, wicked shadow is growing, and Feyre must find a way to stop it or doom Tamlin and his world forever. From best-selling author Sarah J. Mass comes a seductive, breathtaking book that blends romance, adventure, and fairy lore into an unforgettable read. I mean, yeah, that yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. what we're in for. <clears throat> so we are breaking this book up into two episodes because it's a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. It doesn't seem a lot when you first read it, and then you hit a certain point, and you're like, "Oh no, this is a lot." And yeah. if we did one episode, it would be two hours, and I don't want to subject people to that (laughs) yes and also if we did try and cram it we would miss a lot of opportunities to discuss so would we gotta space it out we gotta give it the attention that it deserves exactly so the book begins with Feyre hunting in the woods and again we said we tend to love these female protagonist characters that are young and surviving on their own with nobody taking Mm -hmm. care of them which is a pretty common i think trope in a lot of books like this as well Mm -hmm. there's always it's always a it's always a girl and she's always a badass which i can appreciate and love absolutely so she's in the woods hunting And she's trying to find food for her family that's in a pretty bad case of poverty. It's her father and her two sisters, Nesta and Elaine. The mother had died years ago. And Feyre had made this promise to her mother on her deathbed that she would take care of her family. So, of course, you have this woman putting all this pressure on this young, impressionable teenage girl who now has to basically take care of her entire family at the age of, what was she? She was like 12 or something, 12 or like, she was very yeah, young. Yeah, I think she was Very, 12. very young. And also, I found it very surprising how much she felt that she had to hold to this mm-hmm. promise when she didn't even like her mom. Yeah. Like, they did not get along. Yep. And they're basically poor because her dad did some bad investments, which, you know, it happens. It does. It, it does happen. And so she's a sole provider for the family, and mainly because also because the dad really messed up, he had creditors coming after him, and some dude just comes into his house, breaks his kneecap, <laughs> and Pharaoh witnesses Shocked all me. of this. <laughs> Shocked me. I was like, this is the the mafia 
of the Fey world. Literally. And her two sisters. I don't know if I would, I don't think I would categorize them as like prissy, but they're definitely like, I don't want to get my hands dirty kind of girls. Oh, yeah. Especially Elaine. She's this little innocent little girl. And then you have Nesta, who's hardcore. And as you read yeah. on, Kelsey, I think you're going to love Nesta. I think Nesta's going to be your favorite, actually. Really? Okay. Yes, I really do. All right. Yes. The like vibes that. of characters that you like in stories, Nesta's going to be your girl. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. Okay, I'm excited for that. <clears throat> yeah, so basically, Feyre provides for her entire family. So she's traveling in the woods, and she's not finding anything. And so she has to go very far into the woods farther than she ever does and she gets worried because she's getting close to the fairy territory and there's a treaty that was made between the humans and the and the fairy which basically there was this 500 years prior to this timeline that we're in there was a war the humans and fairies were at war and the humans were basically tired of being mistreated and ruled by the fae and the war got so bloody, which I can't even imagine humans surviving a war against the Fae, because like the Fae have all this power, but I digress. So they agreed yeah. to sign a peace agreement to end the bloodshed. And there's these six mortal queens. They sign a treaty along with the Fae. And there's a magical wall that is built between the lands to keep the kingdoms mm-hmm. apart. And it prevents passage of the fairies to come into the human world for the humans to go into the fairy world but there of course there's holes there's little ways you can get through because of course there is otherwise Mm -hmm. how would these two worlds mingle and so she knows that sometimes fairies come through the wall and her from the the lore and stories that she's hold that she's told fairies come and they kill and torture humans Mm -hmm. so she's she's nervous and any human that ventures into their world never comes out no you basically you done you done for yeah exactly so she sees a large deer but there's also a wolf stalking this deer so we got a triangle the deer's chilling has no idea the wolf's looking at the deer Pharaoh's the looking at the eating wolf. tree bark just yeah. like just just hanging out eating <laughs> some tree bark poor baby i know and she has like this dilemma because she knows that her family's going to starve if she doesn't get this deer. But she knows that also this wolf is this big, it's big, and she knows that she'll get good money for it. So she takes a chance and she shoots the, the wolf and then doesn't, doesn't question it. But she kind of wonders if it is a fairy in disguise because of the size of it. I have a question. Yeah. Do they not eat wolf? Because her first thought was, I have to kill the wolf so that I can save the deer because we have to eat the deer. And I was like, the wolf looks like it would have more meat on it. If it's not a fairy. Listen, I actually agree with that as well. It kind of seems like the wolf isn't something that they would eat, which meat is meat at that point when you're starving. You're going to eat what you can eat. So who know, who knows? Maybe there's some weird thing that we don't know about in this world. Yeah. Just or maybe she wolf. just really was not willing to risk it if it was a yeah. fairy. I don't know what happens if you eat a fairy wolf. I'm I not mean- sure. <laughs> God only knows. So she has this ash arrow, which is, from what she's heard, something that can kill a fairy. So she aims it and it doesn't kill the wolf. 
but the wolf is badly injured because obviously it has to be something super, super supernatural. And then she aims a second eye or a second arrow into the wolf's eye. And then the wolf just just doesn't even try to defend itself. Like it gets shot yeah. and then it's like, oh, all right, I'm not even going to fight for my life. I'm just going to die. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that kind of reinforced her belief that it wasn't a fairy because yeah. she was like, mm-hmm. it would have fought back or done something, but it literally just lays there and I looks know. at her. Yeah. And then, so then she shoots it again and it's, it's depressing. And then it gets kind of vile on the point where she like skins it and just takes the pelt. Mm-hmm. And then obviously got, yeah. she got, you know, she got the deer too. It seems right. Yeah, she like kills the deer yeah. as well. So she, and then also, I'm trying to imagine this 19 year old girl that is coming from a house of poverty. So you know she's skin and bones. Mm-hmm. She's not only carrying this wolf pelt, which I'm sure is heavy, but mm-hmm. also a dead deer. And I'm just, just on her shoulders to envision. <laughs> and it's the dead of winter. Uh huh. She's like, oh, I had to brush the icicles off of my eyelashes. Yeah. Like, so she's trudging through the snow for miles and miles with a deer on her shoulders. Yeah. Although the the pelt was probably keeping her warm. But I imagine there was a lot of, a lot of blood, a lot of ickiness. (laughs) It's a lot. Couldn't be me. So she comes back with this bounty and the next day her and her sisters go into town and this is the only reason why her sisters go into town because she knows they know that fair is going to get some some coin and they want to mm-hmm. hold their hands out even though they do jack shit they want that money they're also bitches oh, okay yes. mm-hmm. she brings home the deer covered in blood she brings home a wolf pelt and they're just like um we're hungry yeah and i don't feel like chopping wood so when are you gonna cook the deer like what i know yep they're definitely one of a kind every character in this book is one of a kind yes so she sells the wolf pelt to a mercenary near the town center and she's the mercenary gives her basically a huge bag of coin and pharaoh's like "Hmm, why why are you giving me all this Mm -hmm. coin for this and the mercenary basically has been in Pharaoh's position before where she's lived in poverty. And so she she understands like where she's coming from. And I believe they talk about fairies as well, right? Wasn't the mercenary no, like, injured by a fairy or something along those lines? Yeah, because she <clears throat> shows her her leg yeah. and she mm-hmm. has like some type of scarring on her leg. So the next day, <laughs> a large beast... <laughs> just breaks into the house <laughs> i was getting like hagrid breaking down the door Ooh. on like you know to tell harry that he's a wizard uh-huh. i was getting those <laughs> vibes and then i was like oh no it's not a friendly giant oh no no at it's all not. no it's not no 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 so this beast just breaks into this house and basically is demanding retribution for the dead wolf because it was a fairy and Tamlin, who is this beast, states that in the treaty, when a human takes a fairy life, the only option is the human life must be taken by Perithian, which is the fairy realm. And 
her and her family just don't question him. They're like, okay, makes sense. <laughs> I mean, but to be they fair, also- can they question him? I know. And then, <laughs> but there's that lore that they know that fairies are unable to lie. So he, also what he's saying must be true because he's a fairy. He can't mm-hmm. lie. Mm-hmm. Which kind of made the whole um, war and like it made the idea that the humans could have any chance against the fairies a little more believable mm-hmm. because they like didn't have this ability to lie. So it's like there would be ways to outsmart them or get a high like a leg up on them. Mm-hmm. But it's just a very intense thing to believe that they're oh, yeah. unable to lie exactly tamlin tells pharaoh that she has two choices she can either die by his hand right then and there or she can forsake the human realm and live out the rest of her days in perithian so of course she's doesn't want to die so she's like all right i guess this is you know beauty and the beast you're gonna take me to your castle and lock me away for the rest of mm-hmm. my life but she also mm-hmm. has this idea in the back of her mind consistently throughout the novel for a good part of it that she's going to escape and she's going to get back yeah. to her family. Like because she's like, she... oh, obviously I'm choosing this because you're not going to keep me forever. Yes. And also, and because, again, and it's reiterated multiple times, her, she made this promise to her mother and she mm-hmm. has to go back and take care of her family. So there's this weird thing where when they're traveling... It's like a two-day travel, and Tamlin just knocks her out for two days. Just makes her fall asleep for two days so that she doesn't Wait, see. but I love it. Yeah. Be- because the way she says it is like she's asking him a bunch of questions, yeah. and he's ignoring her, and then he puts her to sleep. So it's like, even though the reason he's doing it is so she doesn't know the way. Exactly. It's, it makes it seem like it's because she was like annoying him with all her questions and i'm like okay i already kind of like tamlin i know yeah there was it was funny and then surprisingly once they get to his his land she's told by him that she can basically do what she wants she's not actually a prisoner she can just chill do whatever she wants on the grounds he just in this mansion not even a mansion she's like this is bigger than what a human mansion can even like comprehend Uh exactly and they say like you just can't go to other courts because there's Mm -hmm. there's in the prithian there's seven different fairy courts and so this one that they entered is the spring court and he's like i can't protect you if you go to any other court so you kind of just gotta you gotta chill here and then he changes from his beast form into his human form and then Farah notices that him and all the other court members have masquerade masks attached to their faces by magic. So this shit just ain't coming off. What a twist. Mm-hmm. What a twist. Mm-hmm. Sarah, you silly gal. <laughs> you silly goose. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean they have masks on? Mm-hmm. Farah's time at the, at the manor is... It's it's an interesting ride. She becomes friends with people throughout the, the castle, which you would never expect. Her servant that, or not her servant, the servant that's assigned to care for her, Alice. You could tell like in the beginning, it's obviously tepid, but eventually they become really close. Mm-hmm. And then Tamlin's best friend who lives at the manor, Lucian. I loved their relationship. 
Lucian and Farah. The banter. Me too. A plus. A plus banter. Just the the quick quips back and forth. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. And I just picture him smirking uh-huh. every time that Tamlin and Feyre have an interaction. Like, I just, I loved him. And I love that, well, Feyre does not know what's good for her because she just talking back to everybody. Mm-hmm. But I love that they would both, like, take digs at each other. And it's... And then just, like, smile after. Like, I, I thought it was so cute. I know. And it just cracks me up, too, that Feyre had, like, the audacity to just talk back constantly and ask Constantly. all these questions. I'm like, bro, they can still kill you, you know. <laughs> but I also, I really liked the relationship with Alice because their first interaction, Alice basically says, like, I could kill you if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to. Tamlin has given us strict orders to not hurt you. So like, yeah. don't make this harder than it has to be. Like, I just liked how upfront she was. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of forced Feyre to not be on the offensive with her right off the bat. I also like that Alice was trying to put her in gowns. And Feyre's like, nah, <laughs> yes, give me that tunic and pants. I am not wearing uh-huh. a dress. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good for not her. Not for me. Good not for, for me. her. <laughs> So Farrah and she's learns- like braiding her hair every oh morning. My God. I was like, that's my dream. She comes from this land where she doesn't know where her next meal is. She doesn't know, can't really take care of herself. No one's taking care of her. She's taking care of everybody else. Where now she's in this place where people are actually caring for her. Mm-hmm. And then she's eating this amazing food. Like disgusting amounts of food. Yeah, there's one part where she goes to bed without dinner and she's like, I just, I was starving because I skipped dinner. I'm like, girl, you used to have less than one meal a day. Mm -hmm. And now you're like, I didn't get my three round meals with dessert. How (laughs) shall I survive? Yeah. And she thinks that she can't eat the food from there either because she had one of the lures was that the fairy food, basically don't eat anything that a fairy gives you because it could be poisonous Mm -hmm. or whatever but it's not that's not true so she could just Mm -hmm. eat all this delicious food and get sick all the time my dream okay right Feyre learns that there is a blight upon the fairy lands that is releasing demon-like creatures throughout the courts to kill the fairy and the only cause that's mentioned at this time is a mysterious she whose name it's it's like Voldemort Her, her name can never be said they just yeah. never, they never say her name. It's always she, This, you know, it's never who she is. So mm-hmm. is like, I have yeah, no Yeah, they idea. don't even say where she's from or anything. And mm-hmm. Farah's like, I didn't even know that there were women in charge. Mm-hmm. Like, she thought that all of the lords were male. Mm-hmm. So she's like, who is this she? Farah decides that she wants to find out some information on her own. And so she gets advice from Lucian on how to trap <laughs> what is known as a surreal, which is a type of fairy creature who can answer any question asked of it. So if you trap one and you ask it a question, it has to give you the answer, which is a cool concept, realistically. I like that idea. But as long as you can trap it, you can ask it anything. Yeah, but it's obviously so dangerous to trap it and it's a risk. But I like 
that all of the different fairies, even though they have like all this magic and everything, Mm -hmm. they do have some type of weakness, something that you can, well, something that she can exploit. So like this really is a fairy who can't lie. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things about this, this whole like scene with the cereal too is lucian is like oh you need to trap it and bring a dead chicken carcass and or that's the only way that you can get it and then eventually when she comes back to the manor alice is like you could have just offered it a new coat and it would have told you anything that you wanted (laughs) yes she's like lucian was fucking with you obviously yeah and then like next time ask me and then lucian does say you know i'll be nearby i'll be on the border so He's not telling her what to do. He's he's kind of being like, if you were to do this, and if mm-hmm. you were to do this, uh, I will be on the borders. So if I happen to hear anything, you mm-hmm. know, so she knows that she kind of has her back being looked after, hypothetically. Yeah. So she does. But she's still like skeptical because mm-hmm. they still don't have the relationship no. where she could fully trust him. No. And he is like, so... His relationship with Tamlin is such that he would never do something Mm-mm. that Tamlin wouldn't want him mm-hmm. to. So that's why he's like, well, if you were to do it, I'm yeah. not telling you to do it. But if you were. <laughs> she does end up trapping a surreal and she learns that Tamlin is not just any fairy, but he is one of the seven high lords. So he rules this land, this spring court. Tamlin's running shit. He's the man. And she's like blown away by this revelation. Yeah. Well, she already knew. So this is what I learned early on in reading this, that basically the high fae are hot. Mm-hmm. Regular fairies are ugly. Yeah. And then the high lords are, are beautiful. Other level. Nothing can touch so, them. Yes. Yeah, so there is a ranking of the fairies there is. in terms of physical appearance, for sure. So Absolutely. she already knew that he was high fey because she's like, this dude is hot as fuck. Mm-hmm. But she didn't know about the power. No. She asks if there's truly no way for her to ever get home. And there's not. The Sorrel keeps telling her to stay with Tamlin or stay with the High Lord you know, he'll protect you. And then he tells her that fairies can, in fact, lie. And though, you know, while they can lie, Tamlin did not lie to her about her being able to never go home. That was mm-hmm. tr- that was true. She gets curious because Feyre is a curious, curious young girl. She's wants to know everything. So she asked. Curious is one word for it. I know. (laughs) She asks the serial, like, what caused the blight? And he tells her that there's another land called Highburn that is ruled by a king rather than the land being split into courts. And, like I had said, so there's seven courts in Perithian there's winter, spring, autumn, summer, dawn, day, and night. And the king is unhappy with the treaty that was signed with the humans, which allowed them to no longer be slaves. And have lands of their yeah. own, which cool, love love that. And like a very small part, like their land is tiny. Mm-hmm. Like they're not really taking up that much of your space. But okay, but he just wants his humans to be his slaves. That's realistically what it right. is. He's gross, right? And so a hundred years ago, he sent his most trusted commanders and killers to the human and fairy lands to begin a war 
and as spies and lovers infiltrated the courts and gathered enough information that the king could make to have his plan to take over, one of his commanders disobeyed, and this commander is now called the Deceiver, which we'll find out who that is a little bit later. So during her entrapment of the cereal, I tell you, I just said cereal. It's not cereal. <laughs> Maybe it's cereal. I don't know what it is called. Trump cinnamon toast crunch. And <laughs> would have been safer. So at this point, she actually encounters some of the vicious fa- blight fairies, which previously she did encounter. I cannot remember what it's called, but she did encounter something at the castle that Oh, yeah, she hallucinated the, that it the, was her her father. The bogey? Yeah. No, that was worse. Oh, that was this worse. Was something yes. else. I, can't I can't remember. remember the names. But she had seen something. So there's already been some supernatural things that she's experienced, but she hasn't experienced anything like this yet. So they get attacked by the Naga. And before she runs away, she does release the Cinnamon Toast Crunch to run away. And she runs herself. And she actually successfully kills like two of them which hell yeah good for you yeah and so she's screaming savage because you know lucian said that he would be on the border and he would come and get her spoiler he doesn't but tamlin comes in to save the day because he hears the he's returning from his border patrol and he hears the screams and he saves her and it's vicious what he does to these creatures (laughs) he like rips them apart more or less (laughs) He, like, rips their throats out with his teeth. That's a favorite of his. Oh, yeah. Dude loves to bite, as we'll find out. (laughs) So, eventually, Tamlin and Feyre have a conversation about how she wants to go home because she made this promise to her mother. She wants to protect her family. And Tamlin's like, I can't send you home. But he tells her that his her family is actually, like, well provided for and he's altered their memories and glamored them so they think that Farah just dipped and is going to live with a dying aunt which mm. that's crazy that they just think that they have this dying relative but obviously he's making them believe that there is and that Farah was yeah, just and like hi and that Farah would be picked when Farah was the one who was providing for mm-hmm. them but it's funny because she doesn't fully believe that he's supporting her family like she's like oh he's probably just saying this so that i'll be complacent and like stop yeah asking to go home Mm -hmm. and but then she's like but wait he can't lie so he has to be telling the truth and then she finds out that he can lie and she's like wait shit so he's definitely lying like it is just it's (laughs) It's rough for her i know yeah so now that she knows that she's not technically breaking her promise to her mother because tamlin is telling her that her family is well provided for. She finally kind of lets loose and allows herself to be herself. And she begins painting again, which was something that she really liked to do back when she lived in the human world, although she couldn't really afford paint. So it was kind of like a luxury whenever she could, she would, Mm -hmm. she would paint. And then you come to find out that she can't read, but she's painting like crazy and I got to imagine if this were like a real place, the landscape there has to be beautiful to try to to paint. And you have all these beautiful fairies just walking around. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, like she tries to capture the colors and she's like, I don't even know how 
I could capture that. But also, the girl paints a lot. Mm-hmm. She she paints everything. She does. Like, every event that has ever taken place in her life, she's painting it. I mean, I guess she has nothing else to do. So what else is she going to do all day? At one point, Tamlin comes into the manor with this dying fairy that their wings had been ripped off, which is graphic. It sounds horrible. I'm assuming like losing a limb. And mm-hmm. again, it was said like she did it, like it was because of this. And there's no way that this fairy is going to survive. It's, he can't, although Tamlin has magic and he, because of this blight, he has very little magic. He doesn't have his full powers and he can't stop the bleeding. And so he, the fairy just knows that it's going to die. And Lucian has a hard time dealing with this. He leaves the room. He can't mm-hmm. handle it. But Feyre, like, stays and holds holds the fairy down, like, holds their hand. And Tamlin does this little prayer before the fairy dies. And I thought that was a really cool moment in the book because it shows that, you know, Feyre grew up thinking that fairies were these horrible creatures and that they were terrible to humans. And now she's obviously being forced to live with them. But she still has a heart and she's still willing to, she still has humanity to the point where this is still a living creature that's dying and Mm -hmm. she can still care, care about what's happening to it. Yeah. And she is so familiar with death that she sees that like in death, we're all the same. So like, Mm -hmm. even though her feelings still haven't really changed that much about the fairies, she, all she sees is like, well, if it was me, I wouldn't want to die alone. And this creature shouldn't have to die alone. Yeah. Which is like really powerful and also horrific and sad. Yeah. That was definitely one of the harder things in the book. One knight appears and Tamlin tells Farah, you got to stay in your room. You can't come out. You can't leave the manor. There's a fairy ritual called the Great Rite from Kalamai. You, You just, you have to stay in your room for reasons unknown. I can't tell you why. You just gotta chill. You have to miss this fun-ass party. <laughs> and Feyre being Feyre is like, fuck that. And of course, she just disobeys because she wants to see what the hubbub is all about. She's, they've been setting up for this this thing all day. She doesn't want to miss out on the fun. you know? Yeah. I mean, to absolutely no one's surprise, Feyre disobeys. I know. Exactly. And she puts a cloak on to hide that she's human, which obviously, if you're a fairy, I'm sure you have power to sniff out. If something is not a fairy. <laughs> yes. But she's oh, like, yeah. it's fine. This is like my invisible cloak from Harry Potter, but it doesn't really work. So <laughs> she's cornered by three fairies who basically plan on violating her in bad ways. Mm-hmm. And she can't escape. But then she's rescued by another fairy that is described as the most beautiful creature she's ever seen. But she senses that he's probably still bad news. And that probably wants something from her, from him, or that he wants something from her. So she mm-hmm. quickly runs away. And Lucian spots her and is like, Girl, we fucking told you, you need to get back to the manor right now. Like, he right is this frantic. Second. So he's like sweating. Yeah. Like yes. Sweat. Sweat. Cause he has, he rushes her back to the, to the manor and he explains, he's like, Listen, like the great right. It's the beginning of spring in Perithian mm-hmm. and the human world. 
And tonight, being that Tamlin is the High Lord of Springcourt, he has to undergo this ritual that will regenerate his magic so that he can keep his power. And this magic is going to consume him. And his sole purpose will be to find the maiden and couple up with her to complete the ritual. So he has to kill this white stag and sacrifice it as an offering and then go to the sacred cave where there's this line of women just waiting. And no one knows who's going to get chosen. So all these women are hoping that they're going to be the lucky one, that they're, mm-hmm. they're going to get the rose from Tamlin. And Tamlin's the going to be... for sure. He's going to pick her and basically they fuck. That's basically what's going to happen. <laughs> and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden... But like intensely. Oh, like, no. They yeah. they make it sound like this fucking is because is enough to regenerate the lands. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because basically, once Tamlin chooses his girl, anyone else can. It becomes like basically an orgy outside. I'm assuming, mm-hmm. and everyone mm-hmm. just picks somebody, and all that also helps regenerate the magic. So the magic <laughs> is regenerated through sexual intercourse. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. I mean, fun. I don't see anything wrong with it. I think that's it's great. That's great. But I mean the the sacrifice of the stag and stuff. I I don't know if that's all necessary, but I get it. It's fine. So like Lucian says, you're lucky I found you because Tamlin would have smelled you and chosen you because even though he doesn't say it, it's obviously felt in the book that Tamlin has feelings for Feyre and like wants her. So mm-hmm. he's like he would have chosen you and taken you into your cave. And it wouldn't be the Tamlin you know. It's not a night for lovemaking, he says. I fucking love Lucian. I know. He's so funny. <laughs> he just tells her straight up, like, girl, uh-huh. you think you want this? You don't You don't want mm-hmm. this smoke. Like, yeah. you don't. You think you can handle it? You can't handle it. Yeah. And he's like, so just go in your room so that I can go and fuck somebody. Because I like, got to get in line. You know, I had a, this, you're ruining my fun now he's like i'm not supposed to be your babysitter but also these two should have put some magic on Farah's door to make sure she can't come out okay you know that she's not listening to you yeah so she does eventually go back into her room and she locks herself in falls into a restless sleep and then she wakes because she actually stops hearing the music from the ritual and so she's like okay it's over i'm hungry I didn't eat dinner. <laughs> this is the night, it's the night where she's like, "I went to bed without dinner." Yeah. She's like, "I'm a little peckish. I want to go have like some cookies or something." So she goes downstairs, and Tamlin is there, and he's still buzzed from the magic. So he's high off this mm-hmm. magic right now, and he. All right, this scene was really hot. I will admit, this was one of my favorite scenes of the book. He basically traps her against a wall, and he was like. I smelled you. And it drove him crazy trying to find her. And he was basically mm-hmm. pissed. He's like, I had to pick somebody else. And that, you know, he would have been, what did he say? No, he the, said the maiden, he, he the maiden wasn't... that he chose was like, don't be gentle with me. And he was like, I would have been gentle with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Farah, being Farah, being this badass girl that she is, she taunts him. And you know, she is hurt that he chose because, again, same thing. Pharaoh obviously has feelings for Tamlin, but they're dancing around their feelings that even though he t- he did choose another, why would she want to be someone's leftovers? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Goes point mode. girl. He goes beast mode and he just bites her neck. Just bites her in the neck. <laughs> and leaves a bruise, basically gives her a hickey. And although she's pissed, she like realizes how much she wants to bang Tamlin. Mm-hmm. And Tamlin's like Oh, she's struggling right uh-huh. now. And Tamlin also knows how much he wants to bang Feyre. Mm-hmm. So he's like, go to your room right now because no, we're not doing this here. Yeah. <laughs> and she like starts calling him names. She's like, you like uh-huh. you brute yeah you savage <laughs> all this stuff i'm like girl you liked it relax yeah, oh obviously clearly liked it so her and tamlin grow closer and there's this really cool scene where they're in like a field and he gives his he gives a uh, his magic to give her fairy sight so that she can see and feel things that he does. And that was a really cool mm-hmm. a really cool thing because then she realizes how amplified their senses are and how yeah. they see things and how like because he was saying he could hear the willow tree singing and she's like, I can't hear that. And then once he gives her the fairy sight, she can hear how beautiful this tree sounds. And she basically, the fairy sight doesn't really dissipate. She has it for a while. And then she realized that she's been glamored. Because, yeah, this was crazy. Yeah, because then when she gets to the, they go back to the manor, she's like, who are all these people on the grounds, like, doing all this work? And he's like, oh, those are the fairy workers. Like, you just can't see them because you're, you know, we didn't want you to. And then when she sees Alice, this, like, so, like, this person comes into her room and it has, like, tree bark skin. And Faye was like, where's Alice? Like, where's Alice? And he's like, girl, what are you talking about? You're like, well, where's Alice? And she's like, I am Alice. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And so Alice Alice. is like this fairy that has tree bark skin, Mm -hmm. which is cool. Mm -hmm. So then she rediscovers that all these fairies, they don't all look like normal fairies. Yeah. And that there was like hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. around her at all times and yeah. she just had no idea because mm-hmm. she couldn't see them so she's like learning more and she's becoming more acclimated to what this what this world is and i definitely feel like she's getting comfortable there mm-hmm. she doesn't really think there's like a few times in the book where she realizes how much time has passed and she'll like and she's like oh i haven't like thought of my family in a long time yeah you know especially once she starts painting and stuff mm-hmm. it's like because she's able to express herself she's not as worried yeah all the time i agree so in the summer there's a party thrown and Feyre can go to this party this party's chill she can go and and hang out she doesn't have to hide in a room for this one (laughs) but then she drinks like this she drinks the fairy kool-aid and loses her inhibitions she is just otherworldly now she's basically drunk after like well also lucian is like please don't drink this because you can't you cannot handle it you yeah he's like do not do it and she's like what now and he's like do not do it and she's like and she like pulls it away from him and then chugs it chugs it and then gets another one and chugs that one and lucia's like you're you're deathbed i don't go ahead i i feel so bad for lucian okay he's i could just like feel the gray hairs Mm -hmm. he's growing on his beautiful head so hard and Feyre is making it so difficult for him. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Did you pick the most stubborn 
human mm-hmm. ever to come and live with us because Jesus Christ, I have other stuff to worry about. I know. And so Pharaoh's super drunk, basically, is the equivalent of it. And she's just dancing and she sees Tamlin playing like a fiddle. And it's like the most beautiful thing she's ever seen in her life. And he's just, you know, staring at her while playing a fiddle, which that would, I would feel uncomfortable, but she loves it. And I did not see the fiddle part coming. I didn't, I didn't see Tamlin playing a fiddle. That was not on my bingo card. I, I don't know. If for some reason, and this is nothing against people who play fiddles, okay? But for some reason... It made him less attractive to me, but it's because I pictured him like sitting on an upturned bucket, playing a fiddle, and she's just dancing in front of him. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is kind of like voyeuristic and weird. And he's just it's also, strumming I just along. Had a, a random flashback to also like Titanic when they're in like the basement dancing and Jack is like sitting on like a bucket, I think realistically, like playing like whatever he's playing and Kate Winslet's like dancing around him. Let's <laughs> Tapping his toes along with Lost it. I was like, you could have had this whole scene without him playing the fiddle. Oh. oh, I digress. After the fiddle and dancing, Tamlin and Farah reveal their feelings to each other, and they kiss. So they have their first kiss, and so now they're basically in love. Everything's grand. So you think that at this immediately, point, yeah. So there is one point where, prior to all this, there was something that appeared like out of nowhere at the court and instantly Lucian and, and Tamlin hide her from this creature. So she, she, they glamored it so she couldn't see what it was, but she hears like this creepy ass voice basically. And she gets like a chill. And so this character comes into play when we discuss your part of the book, the tour, yeah. this creepy ass thing that you don't know what it is, but she like feels like this chill and she knows that this is one of the bad things. But you kind of get the sense that he's partnered up with the bad person of the book. Yeah. And she can't see it. And that makes it even worse. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, if it sounds this bad, yeah. it makes me feel this bad. It's got to be the scariest looking thing. Yeah, exactly. And then another thing happens where the next day after the summer party where everyone, everything's great. Everything's grand. Everything's going exactly to plan. Tamlin just yells at Farah. He's like, hide right now. Like, you have to hide right this second. And so mm-hmm. she's behind Lucian. Lucian glamours them to the point where Farah's kind of like a part of him. Mm-hmm. And so she like is like, okay, okay. And then the disturbance is Resand, who is the High Lord of the Night Court. And when he enters the room, she's like, oh, that's the dude that saved me. The night of the great right, and listen, Reese is the the funniest asshole. He just has no; he does not care about anything. He says whatever he feels, and he gets mm-hmm. under Tamlin's skin hardcore. So Reese is basically the the right hand man, so to speak, to who sh- who her name is finally discovered, Amarantha, 
who is basically the high lady, the queen that everyone's scared of, and Rhysand is is her right-hand man. And so he comes to the spring court for Tamlin because Tamlin had X amount of time to make a decision about something that is not not discovered at this point. And so Rhysand's like, did you make up your mind? Are you, you know, good to go? And then eventually he finds out that they're glamoring Farah, and the dude gets pissed. He's, mm-hmm. He was like, how dare you defy me and hide her from me? And then Reeson's power is a really crazy one. He can basically get into your mind and just kill you instantaneously. <laughs> like, just like squeeze your brain, squeeze your brain into yeah. squishies. And he could like read your thoughts and mm-hmm. your feelings and put he, like, thoughts in your brain yeah and he's like oh tamlin she wants to fuck you you know like she's really into you <laughs> oh this is so uncomfortable i was like i would be mortified yeah and so he's but he's obviously very mad and he's like threatening to tell amarantha that tamlin has this human girl in his court and... I was having these thoughts about him. Yeah. She's like, obviously, there's something going on with this human if uh-huh. I'm reading her thoughts and her thoughts are about getting down to business with you. Yeah. And so Reeson asks for Feyre's name and she's like, oh, my name's Claire Bedor, Bedor which is like a girl she knows from home because she doesn't want to give mm-hmm. her real name, which I thought was smart of her in that moment to be like, that's not my name. Oh, absolutely. And so Reeson's like, well, I won't tell Amarantha about Claire if Tamlin and Lucian get on their hands and knees and grovel to me. And so Feyre kind of realizes in that moment what kind of fairy Reeson is, because it's the fact that he's getting another High Lord, aka Tamlin, to get on his mm-hmm. hands and knees to grovel for him not to tell Amarantha about Feyre being there. She's mm-hmm. She's kind of blown away by it. Like, yeah, they're both these powerful men, but why? What makes him more powerful? And so she knows that whatever is happening right now is not good. <laughs> it is not. Good yeah, news. and like, why is her presence causing that much mm-hmm. of an uproar that Tamlin would literally get on his hands and knees before, like you said, someone who's supposed to be equal to him? Yeah. So after Reese leaves. Tamlin's like, I gotta send you home. And Feyre's like, but the treaty. And also, why? I love you. Well, she doesn't say I love you, but she feels it in her heart. (laughs) He's like, but why the treaty? And I still want to fuck you. We haven't done that yet. I know. And Tamlin's basically, he's like, I need to protect you. So I need to send you home. So Feyre knows that whatever is happening or what's going to happen in, in the land it's not it's not good and especially if tamlin is willing to take on her punishment if they ever find out about her going back home but now we're really still riding this treaty thing but before they do of course the mating happens of course don't call it the mating (laughs) i mean i mean it's he has claws isn't that like and don't <laughs> that was my favorite part when you texted okay. me and it was like i'm trying real hard to get into the steaminess of this book but the claws just, just proceed just just talk about it. 
I'm fine. I'm fine. But yeah, they had some pretty hardcore, hardcore fun in that bedroom. And Tamlin is a beast, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. When they said uh-huh. Go ahead. that he feasted uh-huh. on her. Bruh. Bruh. Okay. I I was ready for the spice, okay? The, uh-huh. Like you said, the bite in the hallway was hot. Uh-huh. The kisses in the fields, I was like, this is boring me. And I'm like, okay, here comes the spice. Great. And then they mention the claws and how he ripped her underpants off with his claws and how he had his claws resting on her hips. And I'm like, can you put, I know that he can put the claws away. So can you put the claws away for a little while? Because now it's dangerous. Now, now it's too much. Now we're fully accepting that you are banging a beast. This is not, you cannot convince yourself this is a human man. He has claws. She likes it. I mean, clearly she likes it. Clearly she likes it. They they do it like all night long. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The funny part is I enjoy his claws in some like there's one part where he's he like can't control when his claws pop out so there's one part where he's resting his chin on his hand and his claws pop out and they scratch his face so hard like this almighty magic lord and he accidentally scratched his face just because he was resting his hands oh man so I all right, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he can't control the claws have to be out during intercourse. I mean that also maybe might be a thing that he just can't it might be like the equivalent of, you know, an erection. He boner? Just can't yeah, yeah. He just can't it won't go away. Oh my god, he has boner claws. Oh my god. <laughs> Sarah, why are you doing this to me? You just wait until the other books. Oh god. Okay. So, the next day, he puts Feyre on the carriage home, and he tells her that he loves her. And Feyre doesn't say it, because she's afraid to. And if she does, she's like, I won't be able to leave if I tell him I love him, because I'm never going to want to leave him. So, she leaves. And she's really sad about it. And that's where we end. We're going to end with the boner claws. That's, we're going to leave you in the suspense. At least we didn't leave in the suspense of that. But we're going to leave you with boner claws. We're leaving you to think about <laughs> the concept of boner claws. Is it truly not up to him when these claws are popping out? Need is, to it, <laughs> is it an arousal thing? We're not sure. But, I mean, Feyre, he, he said he loves you. And she, like, says it, like, in her head, but she doesn't say it to yeah. him. Which is, you wonder why, too, but it was, you know that you're in for a wild ride after this. And we oh, are yeah, in for a wild ride. It's and, it's really going to pick up. It's uh-huh. going to pick up in part two a yes. lot. So be sure to check us back, check back in two weeks for part two of Avatar. 
And if you like what you heard, please make sure to follow, subscribe, and rate and review the podcast on whatever platform. If you have any book recommendations or questions for us, also wondering why there's boner claws, you can email us at fullybookedcathpod at gmail.com. Also, be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Fully Booked Calf Pod to see our upcoming reads. Kelsey's dying, and this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my I'm, entire life. I'm having, a, I'm having a hard time. <laughs> Thank you for checking us out, and remember... If you need us, I'm thinking about the claws. Bye! Bye! <laughs>